welcome back to the Mountains in the Sea, where we look at the highs and lows of each and every Prince album and ancillary material every other week. I'm Christy. And this is Josh. And we're so glad that you're back with us today. Today, we have the Straight to Home video VHS, The Sacrifice of Victor. I think this falls squarely in the ancillary material category. Oh, absolutely. Deep into ancillary material. Yes, for sure. Yeah. But you know what's cool about this? It's really very much a way to provide an after show experience mm-hmm. to people who weren't able to do that. Either they went to a concert and there wasn't an after show in their town or they weren't able to go to a concert or they, uh, they were, didn't know they, about it. Or they, or didn't they had know to about work that. the next morning. Yeah. yeah some <laughs> people have to do that. That's for sure. It was definitely also part of Prince's reinvigoration, the start of his name change into the love symbol and a way I think of getting around his inability or being blocked by Warner Brothers from releasing new music, there was some kind of loophole that let him release VHS straight to video stuff because he did it with The Undertaker after the album The Undertaker, which was like a audio recording of this video, was blocked by Warner Brothers. And then here comes The Sacrifice of Victor on VHS, which was released on the same day, on March 6, 1995. I read that it was actually way for Warner Brothers to recoup some of their advance that they had given to Prince. There was some sort of advance that they'd given him that they didn't feel like they'd gotten enough of a return on. Oh, I had not read that, but whatever their percentage was of this could not have been much. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Because I don't think this was a very widely promoted release or a big seller in any way, shape, or form. I didn't look up sales figures for this thing, but... Um, we're talking probably four figures, oh. <laughs> I would guess, you know, yeah, in the thousands maybe. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was a huge Prince junkie in college and didn't even know about this thing and right. was doing all I could to find out, you know, information about stuff and try to be in the know. Uh, there was a little bit of the internet back then yeah. or gopher, gopher, if you like amber lights on a black <laughs> screen, then that was for you. But, um, yeah, I didn't, I mean, I was searching for this kind of stuff out and would have tried to buy it immediately and didn't even know about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A little different today. Yes. That's, that's for sure. So this was an edited, highly edited, kind of like a condensed version of, um, an act tour, act two tour after show. Yes. Say that fast five times, Prince fans. (laughs) Act two tour. Act two tour. No, don't make, don't do it because you'll make me look stupid because <laughs> I couldn't do it once. <laughs> so it was recorded uh, in London at Bagley's Warehouse, what, on September 8th, 1993. So it yep. was actually a year and a half after this was recorded that it showed up on VHS, which right. is also kind of interesting. Yeah. I don't think it would have taken 18 months to edit this thing together and get a release ready. Uh, it no. just happened to be when it came out. Right. Yeah. And that was the... After the final show of the Act 2 tour, that was the last show of it. Right. And this was the after show for the very final show of that tour. Yes, which is probably why he considered it for release. It was the end of a tour, and he was obviously going to move on to other stuff. So kind of a... I mean, it's interesting that he would release an after show and not a video of the Act 2 tour yeah, itself. It is interesting. Actually... I know it didn't take 18 months to edit this because it did show... Because you watched it? (laughs) 
because it did show on television, I believe in the UK. I can't find for sure. I think on VH1 in the UK. Oh, really? On January 22nd, 1994. I thought there was a joke coming about it didn't take 18 months to edit because it wasn't very well edited. But you're saying it had aired. It showed up on VHS, but it had aired in this format in the UK. Yes. That's a much more nice compliment than <laughs> where I thought this was going. <laughs> no, I, I wasn't going to make any kind of assessment about that at this juncture. But Is it too early? Uh, maybe a little. Okay. But that's okay. This was the um, original NPG band. Prince yeah. and Michael B., Sonny T., Levi Caesar Jr., and Mr. Hayes. Tommy Barbarella was not present, so I guess that's the one original member missing mm-hmm. from this performance and a big horn section yeah with mike nelson kathy J, who you believe is kirky J's sister yes dave jensen brian gallagher and steve strand all on horns on a fairly small stage oh uh, yeah yeah there were some points where there were a whole lot of people on this stage it was crowded that's for sure yeah there was uh some read this and I don't remember exactly where, but the organizers of this after show were a little annoyed with him because it didn't start till very late. I read conflicting reports. It was an 140 minute show after show and it either started or ended at three thirty five in the morning. Hmm. Either way, there wasn't good transportation to get the people who went to the after show out of that area, like the buses and the oh, it was too underground early in the morning. were closed. Ah. So I think it must have ended at 3.35 in the yeah. morning. Yep. And there was nothing running. And it was kind of out in a warehouse district. And there was really, there weren't cabs out there. You, d- you couldn't call Ubers at that nothing, time. Right. Yeah, and they had a hard time helping people get out of that area because it ended so late they had thought it was going to start. Earlier, much earlier yeah and it didn't prince was late mm-hmm. so people were a little annoyed well, with him. he was he was on time by his own clock because i don't recall any stories saying you know prince showed up early and started performing that's not something he ever did in 1993 you probably could have guessed that that's the way it would have gone mm-hmm. yeah i could i didn't even think of that logistics getting out of there could have been uh, not very fun yeah it wasn't like it was downtown london right you, you know, and you could walk home or, or walk home or walk out and get a cab because there were yeah. cabs there. No, it was like in an area where cabs would not be. Ouch. Yeah. That would make for a bunch of uh, probably upset Londoners, although they did hang around and got to see Prince. So maybe they weren't too upset about it. I'd also, before we get started on the proper video and yeah. the music, I'd like to give a big thanks to Prince's friend. For an assist on this episode. Yes, so. thank you very much. Mm-hmm. All right, so shall we start? Let us do it. Yeah. So it is called The Sacrifice of Victor. This DVD, oh, no, sorry, was not on DVD. Uh-huh. It was on Laserdisc, though. Laserdisc. Yep, if you enjoy Laserdiscs, you could uh, hunt this down from somewhere. But um, So it starts with Prince and an opening monologue, which is actually the some lyrics from the song the sacrifice of victor Mm -hmm. from the love symbol album in 1992 so he recites this i was born on a blood-stained table Mm -hmm. cord wrapped around my neck epileptic till the age of seven i was sure heaven marked the deck i was born 
of a blood-stained table. Cord wrapped around my neck. Epileptic to the age of seven, I was sure heaven marked the death. So he speaks the verses of this song, and this release is named after the song from which these lyrics come, but he does not perform the song. No. Uh, he, maybe he did that night, but it is not on this video. Right. Which I think is really weird and confusing. Uh, yeah. Um, evidently, there's like backstage footage, mm-hmm. and evidently the sacrifice of Victor is playing in the background of this, but I it's tried so... I to hear it, but I, I tried could not to I also, and, but there was so much going on. There was just, it was a lot of like just background noise, people talking indistinctly. And yeah, which is kind of part of the after party experience. It's yeah. a noisy, closed, smaller environment. Right. So you hear those things. Um, so he ha- says those words and he goes into London. My name is not Prince. <laughs> and my name, damn show, ain't Victor. Uh-huh. My name is not Prince. And my name, damn show, ain't Victor. So I went back to kind of revisit that whole era where at this time Prince was, um, you know, about to go through a name change and some of the critical review of the love symbol album, which we covered in a previous episode, um, you know, starts with my name is Prince ends with the sacrifice of Victor, which closes with Prince saying my name will be Victor. So a lot of people reviewing the album said, well, maybe that's how you're supposed to refer to the symbol means Victor for whatever Mm -hmm. reason, which was completely not correct. Right. But understandable how they could be confused. Yes. But made up, you know, not confirmed, you know, kinds of things. Victor was meant to be, I don't think capital V as in the name Victor, right? but more of one who has overcome the Victor. Yes. To I whom, agree. To whom go the spoils? Yes. Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah, I agree. We talked about that when we yeah. did the Love Symbol album. Yes. Which we actually have two episodes of our podcast out. We have the <laughs> all about the Love Symbol album. We have the original one that we did, and then we reloaded it last Christmas when we needed a break and did yeah, some, clips. some clips, and you dressed it so, up real nicely. Yeah. Yep. So if you haven't listened to all of our episodes... And you go back to listen to the love symbol. Make sure you get the one that's reloaded. Yes, the newer one. The newer one. Yes, for a complete listening yeah, that's experience. Right. I mean, unless you just want to be a completionist and oh, sure. want to listen to everything. I mean, yeah. by all means. Let us but. not stand in your way. <laughs> so he says that and you kind of, he makes the speech and you expect that they're going to launch into music, but uh, they put you off a little longer. Yeah. I guess maybe they're trying to give you the experience of this after show where people stood around waiting forever. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. They asked uh, one lady, uh, what do you think about the name change? Yeah. And her answer is, it doesn't matter what he's called. He's just sex on legs. Uh, what do you think about the name Somebody else said, maybe you just got bored of the word prince. Well, it's good. I mean, that's not a bad assessment either. I think the same lady that said he's sex on legs said that if he stood up there with a paper bag on his head and held a guitar for an hour, we'd still show up. Uh-huh. He doesn't yeah. even have to play. Right. Just now, I don't know if I would go that far. Come on. Prince came on and stood there with a paper bag on his head with a 
to watch someone stand there. This is not modern art. (laughs) But this whole thing with the fan interviews, uh, it was kind of cute at first, I thought, and it drags on a little long. And I was trying to listen to the background of these interviews, too. Uh, you can hear music playing in the background like they're at a club, and that's where I expected to hear The Sacrifice of Victor or some other recognizable song. And you can kind of hear the beats, but you can't really make it out. Right. Uh, but they do have Prince video of Prince arriving at the after show, walking through a super crowded hallway and staircase, and making you don't see his face. You kind of see from, from the back, and you hear uh, like people on uh, internal communication saying here he is here he is he's coming in stage right right now right uh-huh. now right now yeah. so then that, that was kind of neat kinda, to hear yeah. uh, all these people even his own crew kind of struggling to keep up with him yeah and the fact that he wasn't like going to say i'm here i'll be coming on stage in uh-huh. five minutes yeah i just need to you know hit the john <laughs> <laughs> there's none of that yeah you'll figure it out yeah, you'll catch up with me. <laughs> so he picks up and dons his yellow cloud guitar. Yep. And he says, let the games begin. And so they do. Yep. And man, this is an after show, but he does not look tired at all. No, he doesn't look tired. Sure it looks he's... like he is fresh. He is like returned and had a wardrobe and makeup change and yep. a shower. Yeah. Not in that order. But yeah. <laughs> His wardrobe and makeup change, and then he had a shower. He was a professional. He knew what order to do those things in, I'm sure, by then. (laughs) He had a really super cool 90s Prince outfit on. Yes. With his, you know. Stripes. His stripes, and the jacket was like that kind of filigree, Uh lacy. Like, I always like to look at it and try and figure out how they made that. because. Oh, yeah. And how, how difficult it must have been to put on. Yes. Because, you know, you have to, like, ball up your hands, right. put your thumbs inside your fists yep. so that your fingers don't yeah. get caught in all the holes. Yeah, especially when you have perfectly manicured man nails like yeah. Prince did then. So, yeah. yeah, I'm sure he... Somebody helped him, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. but it's still funny. Yep. It's interesting to think about, and I can feel... I can feel my fingers getting caught going in the sleeves, like just looking at it. You have a vivid imagination. I do. I didn't think about putting on the jacket when I was looking at the jacket. Oh, okay. Those are all good points. Yeah. Um, So we get another version of the ride, which we had uh, on The Undertaker. Mm -hmm. Right? This is a much shorter version. Yeah. About six minutes, but I'd say the same percentage of it is a guitar solo as we had on the whatever it was, 10-plus-minute version right. on The Undertaker. We get lots of good guitar face in this one, too. Lots of good guitar face. He gives good face in this song, that is for sure. Uh-huh. I also thought he sings this much better than The Undertaker version, which he was more reserved on and maybe a little nasally on, and maybe it's the you know the concept of playing in your own house to just a cameraman, which he kind of did on the undertaker to hear it's a live performance in front of an audience, which brings a lot more energy and that kind of stuff. But I thought it was a more, um, refined vocal performance yes. of this kind of a more concert level performance of the song than the kind of shy, uh, reserved 
vocal performance that we got on The Undertaker. Right. This version was eventually included in the download of the NPG Music Club edition number five as well. Right. We covered in our last episode, there were multiple places where this song showed up, including Crystal Ball on here. Yeah. But this uh, exact version yes. was what was included. Right. Yes, yeah. the audio version of it. Yeah. Right? I think yeah. it was the audio, not yeah. the video. Yeah. Yep. I will say, as far as, you know, you mentioned his outfit. This was not my favorite look, Prince era, with his typhoon from Diamonds and Pearls is growing out, and he's got that long and curled portion of his hair positioned like sideburns. Uh-huh. Uh, but I will say that his... Harry sideburns do match well with the top of the cloud guitar. It's yeah. kind of a everything is curly on stage. Yeah. Kind of thing. Well, and it kind of goes with the jacket too. Like yep. the jacket's kind of made of this ribbons almost. Right. And yeah, you're right. It kind of matches his hair, which matches his guitar. And yes. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty cool. I don't know. I just kind of consider this whole 1993 era sort of between looks. Yeah. A little. We covered his performance in Arsenio Hall where he played a number of songs from the Love Symbol album and his hair is growing out and it yeah. just looks a little... Unkept, oh, which is weird. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, he was normally very particular. Yes, and it was yeah. kind of just wild and all over the place. And I guess it fit, you know, the craziness of the era and, um, you know, the turmoil he was going through. I guess that all worked together. But looking back now, he's had better hair. Yeah, fair. There was a cool, like, quick tempo change that was really interesting like just before three minutes that i thought was really cool Mm -hmm. so i thought that was worth pointing out very cool and again this song it's not about the lyrics it's about the guitar yes yeah yeah i mean it's definitely kind of a if you could categorize it as a Prince blues standard, mm-hmm. you know, it's one of those, my woman left me uh-huh. and my dog is dead too. <laughs> it's Prince's version of that kind of blues song, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Except we, we covered the lyrics in the last episode. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure we'll kind cover of a, them again. Oh yeah. Eventually we will. But that very, it's a very standard kind of thing. Like each lyric is structured the same way. It's just different words. If you need this, I've got that. And I also have a guitar solo for you in yeah. the meantime. Yeah. Yeah. This was kind of a standard Prince concert tune during this era. For sure. And then we have The Undertaker. The Undertaker. Yeah, Mavis Staples. This was on her 1993 album, The Voice. Right. And was written with her ex-husband in mind as he was a funeral director. Yes, whom she left because he wanted her to be a stay-at-home wife. And she wasn't having it. No, she was not going to stay home and raise babies. She had songs to sing. She did. So here she did. Here Here she she was. She came. She sang this one. Yep. Uh, At one point, Prince shares a mic with Sunny T to sing background, which Mm -hmm. was awesome. Yeah, very, very cool. Yeah. I, I enjoyed that part, too. I Also, this is the first time that I noticed watching this for the, I don't know how many times, that... The stage lighting here is really 
pretty for an after oh, show. How yeah. colorful it was, and it wasn't just like a bare bones kind of thing. It was a kind of a bigger production mm-hmm. with lighting that was really nicely done, and I, it just showed up for me on this song cool. more than it did on on the ride. But yeah, Prince gladly takes his place behind Mavis with the mm-hmm. band for this one and sings background with a big big horn section. Yep. And then the Steels come on stage after a while to sing back up. There are so many people yeah. on stage for this song. Yeah, this is where it became like uh, real estate was a premium on the stage at this point after the Steels show up. But yeah, it turns into a big, soulful gospel kind of production. Yeah, which is pretty fun. Yeah. And Mavis's voice is real... She's quite gravelly, I would yeah. say, during this, that she sounds like the female version of George Clinton on oh, stage with Prince. That's fair. Sounding, you know, a bit like she swallowed shards of glass. Uh-huh. But it's kind of a raw performance and Yeah. I think that kind of works. And the energy, oh my gosh, Prince has springs in his legs. He's playing the guitar and jumping in place, and I'm it's just amazed, because you know he's already played, yeah, what, full probably scale. a two-and-a-half, three-hour mm-hmm. concert, Yep, had a little bit of a break, but still had to travel from where the concert was to the venue for this after show. Yes, and he was not immune to London traffic, I'm no. sure. No, there he is, jumping, playing guitar. Yeah, yeah 100%, for sure. Yeah. He even gets a guitar solo standing right next to Mavis, and it's really yeah. cool to see the both of them together. Mavis singing, and Prince is playing guitar. Yeah, everybody was really in their element. Yeah, doing their own thing and respecting each other's space, and here Prince is featuring, I mean, I maybe Mavis qualifies as one of the older women that Prince has brought in and supported. It wasn't about uh, a relationship, a, a sexual relationship. It was a bit more like she was a mother figure to him. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what made her unique compared to many of the other. I mean, I don't consider her a Prince protege, just like George Clinton. I consider them legends that Prince was able to bring in and sign uh-huh. to his label Right. And work with to celebrate and have a chance to, you know, collaborate with people he respected. Uh, Mavis points out the feedback, which oh, was kind of fun. That. There was a little bit of feedback. Okay. And she kind of points it out, too, which okay. is kind of, I thought, fun. Like, if you're going to have the feedback. Yeah. yeah. I, I, reco- it. I recognize it. I hear it, it too. Yeah. Oh, I, I know it's I there. We'll fix it. Oh, that's very... Or to acknowledge it, but also maybe be telling the sound people mm, hey fix this yeah well now be bad baby sister come on i want some mercy i want some mercy well i mean how could they not have feedback there were like eight hundred thousand people on the stage yeah i don't know how many microphones there were there or what <laughs> a mean, nightmare a that lot. stage was to set up oh in a very God. little time i'm sure yeah and probably thinking you had much less time than you really did which was also probably real frustrating to right. get this all set up and be like he's supposed to be here now and then yeah two more hours pass and <laughs> you've fair. struggled around you've struggled to get this thing set You're up like, and then you I just sit taken around my time and got this set up properly and yeah. not freaked out about yeah, it all and... the corners i cut were really for uh-huh. nothing for this yeah. legend to show up and play 
<laughs> so there's a really kind of quick and odd edit after the end yeah. of The Undertaker, which most of this I thought was edited fairly well. Most I mean, of it, yeah. Most of it was, but the transition from The Undertaker into Jailhouse Rock is real jarring and a little strange. Like, Mavis disappears. Yeah. Like, she just disappears. Yeah, she's magic. She's magic. So we get like a minute and eight seconds of Prince singing Jailhouse Rock? Sort of. A little. <laughs> uh, he's, I'm not convinced. He's trying he to knows. recall Jailhouse Rock. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that he knows the words to Jailhouse Rock, but he definitely knows the first line. Yeah. And he definitely knows the chorus. Right. And the rest, maybe not so much. <laughs> right. And that's... That's okay with me, though. It's like <laughs> me too. it's like a test. Like someone called out, "Hey, man, play Jailhouse Rock." Yeah, he's completely unprepared. Hasn't heard the song in years, uh-huh. and is going to play it perfectly and sing it um, in mumble language, general proximity. <laughs> <laughs> I know how the words sound, but I don't know exactly what the words are. And that's okay. Yeah. That I really okay. kind of loved it. it I was did too. Great. Especially for a minute and eight seconds. It's sort of like, I know this music by heart. I can play it easily and I can do well enough with the word. No one's going to call them. What are they going to do? Yeah. <laughs> Make <laughs> me go home? Take his birthday away? Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot like Honky Tonk Women from yeah. The Undertaker where... The, uh, although this is even more loose oh. <laughs> compared to the original lyrics. But yeah. in both cases, the song, it's like if you ask a kid to read a, oh. you know, three paragraphs and then take it all away from an eight year old and say, now tell me exactly what happened. Yeah. Take me through the steps. Right. They well, can, can recite the first line yeah, and how and that, it ended yeah. and the middle well, what is happened kind of in messed the middle, up. I don't know. Someone <laughs> went to jail and played rock and roll <laughs> and then it ended up okay. Here's a guitar solo. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So I thought this was, it was fine to include. It was just the edit from The Undertaker and yeah, the Staples. And all of a sudden, Prince is making up lyrics to Jailhouse Rock. Or mumbling. Mum, grumbling, mumbling, bumbling. Yeah. It was perfect. It was I fine. mean, it was it's perfect. It's an after show. This yeah. isn't a, like, you know, a $100 a ticket concert where you're expecting a very refined and um, you know, play me songs that I know. This is. I get a peek to see what Prince likes to do. Right. This is part of it. So after we get the general gist of what Jailhouse Rock is, Uh uh, we get more interviews with a bunch of fans who, in my opinion, don't know anything. And Uh I don't know why they're on this thing. Well, I know why Rebecca was on there because she was a pretty blonde. Okay. And they asked her about herself and she said she was training to be a sex therapist. And they asked her, are you hoping to find Prince and teach him a few things? Yeah, giving some pointers. Is that Uh, what they said? Teach him a few things. Teach him a few things. Uh Is that what a sex therapist does is teach you things? Well, not really. I, I don't thought think. so. It's like just to talk you through like whatever mental barrier it's, you have usually, it's right? Usually, towards... it's more like 
couples counseling. Yeah, this isn't about like say, crib notes. Like, yeah, take, write I mean, this on like, your palm. They might have a little more like physical expertise about like, okay. here's something you can try if you're having this physical problem. Here's some techniques that you might want to employ that would help that specifically. But more often than not, it's like a regular like couples counseling right. because the issues are. Yeah, mental they're, they're, and emotional yeah, they're not they extend far beyond the bedroom right there's right. something else going on in your relationship that right. is manifests itself yeah. in intimate moments it's not about i want to be a sex therapist so i can find famous people and tell them how to do it right yeah. it was a stupid question it was i mean i know it's supposed to be cute and they're kidding around and probably flirting Right throughout this thing, but oh yeah, because the guys filming this are hoping to get laid. Yes, they are for sure um, because they're out with Prince, and mm-hmm. that makes you awesome. But you know, all these interviews with fans were you can barely hear them; they're poorly yeah. recorded. They're kind of stupid, and that's my assessment of yeah. the fans. Uh, not the fans themselves, the, the recording of these things with you know people who are waiting around. Right. So a fun thing to do, I guess, to know, hey, that's Prince's crew, and they're recording something, but. You know, asking them questions like, what do you think of the name change? And uh, you want to give Prince some sex pointers? <laughs> Question mark? That's really dumb. Yeah, it is dumb. That, that, yeah, those were dumb. Anyway. So then Mavis is requested back on stage again uh-huh. by Prince. Prince says, can Mavis come up and sing one more for you? Yeah, he gets the whole crowd to chant for her. Yes, which in his way was... of saying Mavis, which is not Mavis, he says... Mavisa. <laughs> Mavisa. Uh. Can Mavis Staples sing one more? Can we get Mavis Staples to sing one more for us? Mavisa. Mavisa. Y'all say it. It took me a minute to even understand oh, what really? he was saying. Because oh. uh, for prep for the podcast i'd made us audio recordings of this vhs so we could listen to them on walks or at work or wherever and so i'm hearing mavisa what does that mean mavisa and it was just (laughs) mavis yeah yep for house in order right yep Uh, he's being a band leader he is being a band guitar for a moment right yes a band leader cheerleader as yeah. Mavis takes the stage again and she says, welcome to the powerhouse, which I think is a cool assessment. Yeah. You know, she, the, how old do you think Mavis Staples is in this thing? In her 50s, probably. Yeah. Early yeah. 50s. Yeah. Yeah. So she's not a hip, young, cool lady anymore. She's an established, she's melody cool, as yeah. she says. Yeah. Well, she's very much, she's always seemed like a very mid-century artist yeah, even very when she Motown. was yeah mm-hmm. classic yeah from the start yes yeah so she doesn't sound a ton different than she did when she was young mm-hmm. she's got the same kind of sound yeah but it's a classic sound so it doesn't sound dated right i have in my notes that mavis is a legend already here you yeah know, um before she was involved with prince she was pretty legendary one thing I wasn't sure worked well for her here was her stage presence and mm. kind of leading, you know, she's got her hands up in the air. There's not a, to her in her defense. There's not a lot of space to move or do yeah. anything, uh-huh. but, um, and maybe it is also just being on stage with 
Prince, who is a masterful leader of the crowd. Yeah. You know, and I think that she she's an older person, so she's not moving around like he does. Right. As Prince fans are used to seeing. So I think she struggles a bit. Like watching some of this, I was like, Ugh, uh-huh. maybe a little cringeworthy. Oh. But I thought her vocal performance and everything that she's there for, she does really well. Right. I thought she tried to do maybe a little more than she needed to. I mean, people are there and they're having a good time. And I think she might have gone a little over the top. Oh, okay. For me. I really liked, there was a point where Prince is just kind of on stage watching the steals are back to sing some backup. Yeah. And he's just kind of there and he kind of does normal people dancing, you know, <laughs> yes. the kind of the yeah. head bob yeah. where um, you, you, you want to kind of dance, you but there's not really it. enough space to do a lot of dancing. <laughs> so you just kind of do the head bob do and the can. little shoulder mm-hmm. thing. Yes. And you're part of, you're a, you're a piece of the puzzle, yeah. but you're not like a corner piece of the puzzle. <laughs> you're, yeah. You're one of those inside. <laughs> You're, pieces you're shaped with... like every other damn piece of this thousand <laughs> thousand piece puzzle that you have to figure out. But you're important. Yeah, and if you and were you missing, got, you, you would got, get noticed. You got a little bit of your own shape there yep. in the head bob. Yeah, boy, you guys are missing a show that I'm watching here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because I'm dancing, but I'm not going to video it for you because yep. it's you mostly don't shoulders. To... <laughs> it's mostly about the shoulders. Well, yeah, because that's all the dancing you can do. That's right. You can move your shoulders and not take up space when that's there's right. 40 and other I can people not on stage fall off with my you. Chair. That's right. Do not do that, please. <laughs> so uh, the horns I thought were great in House and Order. House and Order is a, a phrase that shows up in Mavis's involvement on Prince songs going back as early as I can remember would be the B-side to Bat Dance, which was 200 Balloons. There's mm-hmm. a sample of Mavis Staples singing Get Your House in Order. Mm-hmm. That's part of that song from 1989. This is kind of a staple, yeah. if you will. Of Mavis Staples. Right. All right. So at one point she says, hear me knocking on your window. Uh-huh. Here, Montana, knee deep. I'm like, Montana? Hmm. What? It's possibly a reference to a song by Archie Roach called Sometimes Monjana. Boy, this is getting deep. From 1990, and it was a very different kind of song, like a folk song, contemporary sad stories of indigenous people, but she was finding her lover cheating on her and knocking on the window Mm -hmm. and hearing this song through the window. Oh, cool. So. Who will shed a tear for Manila? There is a studio version of House in Order 2 that I wanted yeah. to mention that was also on The Voice. Yeah. Uh, so it was actually released as a studio recording and was done in summer of like 1992. Right. And then, uh, you know, Prince gives credits to them and then we get a little bit of big band sound. Yes. Yes. One other part I wanted to mention here was Mavis getting the crowd going that I think she did well was when she asked... Now, will you sing this for me or repeat these words? And she says, we know you didn't come out here to work tonight, but this will be fun. And uh-huh. gets them to chant, get your house in order in different ways. Yeah, the audience interaction was uh-huh. really fun. We know you didn't come 
And at the very end, as you said, Prince calls out Mavis Staples and the Steels before they exit. And then he says, thank you. Good night. And throws his wired mic into the air. Yeah. A typical fake out. Yes. It was not the end. It was not the end. Right. But I just thought you usually see him throw his guitar into the air or drop the mic. And here he throws his his mic. His mic flew. Yep. You know, we have a little intermission, more interviews, Jimi Hendrix look like. Yeah, yeah, like they found someone had dressed up like Jimi Hendrix. Hey, Jimi Hendrix, what are you here for tonight? I, I mean, honestly, I, I have my notes for this section read more senseless audience interviews. Mm. Four words. I know you didn't come here to work today, Christy, but would you repeat after me? More senseless audience interviews. More senseless audience interviews. Wasn't that fun? No. <laughs> Um, but they had a little intermission and we're also going to take a little intermission. All right. Yep. We'll be back with call the law in just a moment. I'm Christy. And I'm Jackie. And we are Killer Fun. We explore the intersection of crime and entertainment every other week. For as long as people have been communicating, they have been talking about who did what to whom, and is that socially acceptable? Because the boundaries of society, crime, and entertainment have always gone hand in hand. The more salacious, weird, the better. From books and movies, to television shows and games, we look at how life and art imitate and inform one another. And we can't get together and not laugh. So let's face it. There's going to be laughing. (laughs) Killer Fun is available anywhere you listen to podcasts. So join us. And we're back with Call the Law. It appeared on the 1993 album by the MPG Gold Nigga. But it was actually first released as the B-side to Money Don't Matter Tonight. Yes, still have my single from, I think it was early 1992 Uh when that came out. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Tonium uh, is on the stage. Here he comes. He starts taking off his clothes. He does. Well, first he's got to scream, even though he's got a microphone. <laughs> uh, let's make some noise in this effort tonight, bro. I don't know. As much as I was saying that Mavis Staples might have overdone it a little no. bit, <laughs> she doesn't overdo it. 10% as much as Tony M does when he takes over to uh, just get the crowd hyped. Yeah. I think that it's. They're pretty hyped already. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, I hear people complain a lot that Tony M is shouty. And I, it doesn't normally bother me, but holy smokes, is he shouty in this? This is a ton of shoutiness. Um, I think on record and in the studio when he's uh, like on Together, which we talked about yeah. in a previous episode, and even on Prince studio albums where he's rapping and is a little more smooth, his appearance on uh, Willing and Able. Yeah is super smooth and great. He's got this super deep voice. But yeah, live, he has the tendency to yell that puts me off and destroys the smoothness that I think mm-hmm. makes him a good addition to uh, Prince's band and when Prince was you know trying to work in rap and hip-hop and uh, his music in the early 90s. Yeah. I think it's a fair criticism, especially here. And Call the Law is more of a speak singing kind of thing too on the studio version right and here it is a scream screamy kind of thing unnecessarily so agreed though prince is playing guitar yeah his yellow cloud guitar and 
everybody else on stage is jumping. It is super cool. Uh Even though Prince looks like he's trying to hold his guitar in a way that nobody is going to jump on him by accident. Yes. (laughs) It's a small target, but um, yeah. But we get some great guitar faces and all this jumping and there's so much energy. Yeah. And I didn't love the shoutiness Mm -hmm. of Tony M, but it's fun to watch this because of the guitar and the energy and it's so fun. And then there's like a drum break and Prince is blowing kisses to the crowd and it, yeah. it was fun and really endearing. Yeah, they're like Prince does offset the unnecessarily gangsta flavor mm-hmm. that Tony M brings by, you know, being a little more playful. Yeah. And if I if anything, I think this also made me appreciate the fact that it is what I believe on Call the Law, it's on the studio version, it's Prince with all those great guitar solos. Yeah. And then you see him play them live here and they're all great. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I guess for, again, I'm trying to frame this in my mind as an after show. So it's a party. It's not a concert. Right. Prince is not having to carry all the load. Yeah. But he's still in control and yet he's having fun too. And so he's letting all these other people take, Stage and it almost serves like a testing ground for you know how does this work and I'm sure that if something did work there then they'd work it into a concert or vice versa right yeah yeah so yeah I'm with you I'm put off by the screaming yeah but there's a lot of it that's endearing too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then the steels are back for heart in my hand or love parenthesis got a hold on me it seems like yeah. the song has some medley more yeah. than one name yeah yeah yep first of all it's such a weird shift to me from the really shouting is. and the mfers and you know the gangster kind of mentality yeah into this Tony like kind of gospely yeah and here this is like soul gospel and kind of squeaky clean They're almost like a choir. The Steels might as well be in robes. Right. You know, that's how it sounds. Yeah. Um, And I don't even know if Prince is on stage for this. I don't, I didn't really see him there. I didn't see him there, but um, I think he's on stage. He does, you know, make a vocal appearance at the end Mm -hmm. when he says, Mm -hmm. you know, before we got to get out of, before we got to get out of here, I want to hear some horns play one time and right. the, and that's, it kind of melds into one another. So maybe he well, was yeah, backstage that, or off stage. Yeah. It kind of gets more swing and a little less gospel. It and does. I kind of, yeah. I really, I, that's when I really started to enjoy it a little more. Yes. Um, especially as Prince scream sings with the horns and yeah. this little vampy part at the end. Yeah. Is very cool. The song did appear on the 1993 album by the Steels, Heaven Help Us All. So, you got me on that one. I didn't know that. Which yep. which song is that? The Heart the, in My Hand? Yes. Or Heart Love? in My Hand okay. was written by J.D. Steele. Okay. Now, there was a song on that album called Well Done that was performed at this after show, but did not make it into this performance. 
edits. Oh, really? Yes. Or to this, not the performance, edits. into this edit of okay. the performance. So, okay. And then it kind of rolls into In the Mood, mm-hmm. you know, the iconic swing classic written by Glenn Miller in 1939. Mm-hmm. It just rolls right in. Prince is there. He's got his back to the audience with a guitar when he first comes on the stage. Uh, he does address the audience to talk about the horns. Okay, yeah. Yeah, before they leave, he really pumps up the crowd and has some oh yeahs that he throws in there, and I just thought this was a really great performance of this fun, fast. This is the kind of music, like, I don't know anybody who wouldn't like this music. Yeah, really, right. honestly, like, my parents are older, and sure. they don't particularly care for most of the music that you and I enjoy yeah. and we can all agree on in the mood. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's this is gotta be, I mean, I mean, maybe that's the point of this entire compilation is the wild swing of genres that's that happen fair. here, which is admirable, even though a lot of it is a little jarring uh, and maybe yeah. it's more jarring condensed into 46 minutes than it was spread across a couple hours as it you know really was. Right. Um, you mentioned well done that was also performed during the show, but did not appear on this video um, yeah. that was written by Prince and all instruments by him as well on the, on the steels album. Yep. So what do we get next after this uh, in the mood? I'm in the mood with the horn players and you know, music for everyone. We get and a now we get segue. some more poorly recorded audience interviews. Yeah. Prince gets some flowers. Yep. Uh, That's nice. Maite encourages the audience to beg for Prince's return. So mm-hmm. it's like a second encore already. Yeah. And um, he's got a musical style for everybody. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, I don't know if we need random spares <laughs> telling us stuff we already know. That's how I figured. Spares. That's that was my assessment of <laughs> this particular segue of audience interviews. Yeah. And then really the last performance yeah. of the evening. Mm-hmm. Maite is dancing. Yes. Prince is giving us some rock and roll rawness. Yes, he on is. Peach. Yep. Uh, so this was a new song at the time. It made its um, appearance, the studio version, on the hits and the B-sides. Right. And this um, was recorded a little prior to that. Yes. Yeah. So this would be new to most everyone in the mm-hmm. crowd. It was kind of a gift, I thought, for hardcore fans at this after show to hear something that's new that yes. hadn't been recorded before. And it was also... A gift to folks like us who might not have bought the hits and the B-sides otherwise. Right. Aside from maybe, say, from some B-sides that were not on CD originally. But uh, here Prince is playing Peach, and it's, uh, yeah, probably one of the earliest performances of the song live and features some awesome guitar solos Mm -hmm. and beautifully incomprehensible screaming by Prince. Yes. A number of times, which yeah. I thought would uh, hit your soft spots, because I know you've got a very special place in your heart for Prince's screams. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I think the song is sort of like he's, 
this is why Maite's on stage, right? I think that he, the song is basically describing her. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's got a great butt. And then yep. she was young. She was smart. Mm-hmm. I kind of love that bit. That was, I mean, we're not going to talk about lyrics, really, because well, yeah. I'm sure we'll cover this. You're right. But yeah, even a song that sort of objectifies her yeah. actually starts complimenting her beauty and smarts. Yeah. And like he, yeah. yeah, he, he mentions like, okay, yeah, she's young and she's beautiful and she's got a butt that won't quit. But because, you know, that's what the peach is course right yeah 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 and yeah, i'm familiar with the term yes yeah. <laughs> well but i mean like yeah. there's a reason why yeah. you know the it's peach not emoji like, is it's a not butt. like yes yeah yeah and it's not like your aunt squeezing your cheek and say you're <laughs> such a little peachy this is not the same thing no not right. at all and but i like that he you know includes that she was smart yeah um the audience interaction's really fun. Yeah, where take- Prince calls out, ooh, uh-huh. and they, everyone tries to repeat it. Yeah. And then he does it in different ways that the audience can't possibly do, but they try anyway. <laughs> try. Which is really fun. And Maite crowd surfs, and yes. that's fun. Yeah. Um, and Prince pushes her out of the way. I was like, why is he pushing her off the stage? Well, because he's about to like beat his guitar on the ground for a moment. Yeah. It kind of has this like fake end, and then we get a little bit of chaos and disorder. Yes, instrumental version yeah. of the beginning of chaos and disorder, which would be uh, also a new song and um, would basically have been unheard of at this time yeah. until it appeared um, like. On, in 1996 on the album Chaos yeah. and Disorder. That happened a few times in this edited version of the after show. In fact, I forgot to mention when Tony M takes the stage to sing Call the Law, it actually starts off with a song called Deuce and a Quarter, which is on that same album and then kind of rolls into Call the Law. And here we have Peach, which at the end has this little instrumental riff from Chaos and Disorder, which Mm -hmm. is also a little Easter egg slash, you know, part of Prince's habit of trying new things all the time and working them in. Even I mean, I'm sure that most people here didn't even recognize it or know it was happening. And why would they? By design. Yeah. Yeah. Then it ends with him singing or screaming Las Vegas. Yeah. Which he does actually at the end of the ride. And it's just kind of his call for a big ending. Yeah. With this particular band. Lots of big ass. And then he throws down his yellow guitar and disappears. Yep. Away he goes. Away he goes. Then we hear Soldier in the Army of the Lord. Right. Over the credits. Yes. It's Um, the simple black and white credits. Right. Which is the first known live performance of this song by the NPG. Okay. But the Steels are singing it. Right. Without Prince. Yes. And the only live performance of this song with Prince, and he was playing guitar, he wasn't singing, was in March of 2008 in Hollywood with the Blind Boys of Alabama. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. That's some good research by you. (laughs) Nicely done. Yep. No. Uh, so again, we, this is kind of like a oh, even per the credits, "Soldier yeah. in the Army of the Lord" is traditional gospel. Yeah. So there's this strange mix of profanity and <laughs> like church music. Yeah, it really is. It's a very well. I mean, it really harkens back to like 
all the 80s where it was God and sex. Yeah. This yes, is, although this is, a, he would sing about God and sex, but this is about genres like yeah, well, gospel and yeah. hardcore rap. Yeah, hip hop. And hip hop. Yeah. Yeah, so it was almost like where in the 80s he was singing about these diverse things and bringing them together. Now he's mixing um, musical types yeah, and genres, genres. to yeah. do the same thing. Yeah. They credit Melanie Poole as the party organizer. Good for you. Uh, Prince is credited <laughs> as Prince. Yes, because this was performed before his name changed. So yeah. I guess that gave him, him an inclination to make it more of a historical thing than this is who I am now. And yeah. then they credit James Magoo McGregor as the quote unquote main man. Main man. Poor Goo <laughs> is the main man. Poor Goo. <laughs> <laughs> I so you had those notes on uh, the credits. <laughs> I made notes on the credits too. My only note was catering was by fat bastards. <laughs> I thought that was nice. Well, you don't want the skinny bastards making your food for That's you. True. I guess you want people who know what food tastes like and yeah. how it's supposed to taste. <laughs> uh, we also get a typical ending for a Prince video at the end of "May You Live to See the Dawn" and mm-hmm. an invitation to write to a post office box. Yeah. Or call 1-800-NEW-FUNK to join to the become NPG. a member of the NPG. Yep. Yeah. 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 All right. So we've covered all we're going to cover. So it's time for us to make some selections. All we right. choose a time capsule, something that exemplifies the time at which the material was recorded or when it was released, whichever the host making the selection prefers we choose a c s e a the low point the thing we didn't like or liked the least because sometimes you like everything and there's just you have to pick something that you like a little bit less yeah those are painful times (laughs) and then with the mountain the high point the thing that we like the most so my rules i go first so the time capsule Man, I the segues, the outfits, the attempts at trying to be interesting oh, and the edgy. Audience interviews, the you're talking audience about. interviews, okay. the segues. They're trying to be interesting and edgy in a very, very nineties way. Yeah. So yeah. that was mine. Uh, that's a good call for sure. My time capsule, and this is just a personal thing for me, was the performance of The Undertaker because okay. we've had Prince singing it on the aforementioned Undertaker VHS. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have Mavis Staples with a studio version on her album, The Voice. So here we have a live performance, Prince playing guitar, Mavis sings it, but it's a really a clear marking for me uh, in the time of her album, The Voice, which I mentioned in our previous episode was named by Time Magazine as one of the best albums of 1993. No, it was People Magazine. Was you, it People? It was People. I'm you sorry. mentioned that uh, last time. Yeah. And I went looking for it under Time Magazine. It wasn't Time Magazine. It was People Magazine. Oh, wow. So we're correcting it here a full episode later. So People Magazine named it as one of the best albums of 93. Um, And I would say it's probably the worst selling and least well-known of any of the best albums of 1993 also. yeah. So for that reason, all these things make it point to that to me. So that's my time capsule, despite the fact that I got the magazine wrong. So thank you for correcting me. Yeah, sure. All right. Then the C... The low point. Uh, the low point. All right. There were a lot of pr- 
Prince-centric performances at this after show that were not included. So I'm fine with, you know, Mavis Staples and The Steel and Tony M all being here and included, Mm -hmm. but I would have liked another 20 minutes maybe of... Prince Prince performances because he did, they did well done, which was written by Mm -hmm. Prince. Okay. I get maybe why they didn't include poor goo honky tonk women and Bambi because those were on the undertaker, but there was cum and endorphin machine that I would have loved to have seen early live performances of these. Yeah. Yeah. Also, there was a little bit of the Undertaker supreme close-ups in here, too, that kind of dragged this down a little bit. Uh, A little bit, but it was, I mean, as the videos go, I was happy to watch this video, Uh whereas the Undertaker, I don't don't ever need to watch the video again. I I want to listen to to it it. all the time, Yeah, yeah, feasting my eyes will not be happening again. What's your low point? My low point is your time capsule. It's got to be those audience (laughs) interviews, which to me were, it'd be, I mean, at least mic people up correctly (laughs) to, you know, hear them, but they were at the start. I thought, Oh, that's kind of cute, but to keep coming back to it, I'm like, Oh, this is 46 minutes. And like you said, there's all this other Prince material that was edited out uh, and we get more of the steels and Mavis Staples and Tony M. And then also to add, what, four four minutes probably of this video is dumb audience interviews and people dressed up like Jimi Hendrix who don't know Jack about Jack yeah. being asked asked about Prince. And that to me, that's 10% of this home video that is a complete and utter waste. Yeah. So my... I also want to do an honorable mention C on this one. And it was just the, <laughs> just the weird Jeez. mixture of foul mouthed NPG and the gospel family friendly vibe of the oh, steels. Like the okay. steels feel like they could show up at a Catholic church and perform anywhere yeah. in the world and be fine. And, uh, then the polar opposite of that with when Tony M is on stage and it was, and Prince falls like somewhere in the middle, weirdly with what's yeah. included here. It's not as nasty as Tony M and certainly not as wholesome as the steels. Right. So it was, and like I said, maybe that worked better in a longer format and live than in a edited down 46 minute video, right. 10% of which was stupid interviews of people on the street. Yeah. And then the mountain. Okay. Well, I thought jailhouse rock was so very (laughs) endearing with him not knowing the words, but still playing it perfectly. I loved that so much. I can't not choose peach. Oh yeah. Because it's such a cool performance. Such a neat song. And mighty's there. She's with him and I loved them together mm-hmm. and I just thought it was it was sweet and dirty and cool and fun and it was great. Yeah. I had to choose Peach. Yeah, good description because like I said, he falls between the wholesomeness of yeah. the steels and the wouldn't let your mom know you're listening to this music of the NPG. Yeah. Uh, my mountain is the same. Oh, good. Okay. Um, but I also wanted it to be uh, the peach and the chaos and disorder medley. Those okay. two kind of treats for fans. Uh, a new song in peach that's fully played and then a little snippet of chaos and disorder that probably everyone in the crowd there didn't recognize and wouldn't know what that was and probably forgot about it by the time the album came out right uh, three years after this performance right so it was a nice little easter egg for um 
Prince fans. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So what are we going to cover next time? Next time we are continuing our uh, epic quest to get through all of Prince's output from 1994 and 1995. And uh, we are going back to the studio. Last couple episodes we focused on live performances. Next time we're going to take a look at the Purple Medley Mm -hmm. EP, uh, which includes an 11 minute version of the Purple Medley and Kirky J's B-Sides remix. Then we're also going to take a look at uh, two full songs that surfaced in Pop Life and Head that were re-recorded slash remixed as maybe part of Prince's quest to re-record his catalog, which he uh-huh. said he was going to do uh-huh. in 93, 94. Those full versions are circulating uh, of Pop Life and Head, so we'll look at those. They were used in uh, the Kirky J's B-Sides remix, partly. Okay. And then we're also going to take a look at a couple of unreleased songs that were intended for a collection called Playtime by Versace, and those two songs will be Stone and Playtime. Okay. We're picking those because they're the only two songs really recorded for that project that remain unreleased in any shape or form. Most every other song that was intended for that project has come out in one way or another. Okay. Uh, so we'll focus on those two unreleased songs that were both recorded in 1995. Excellent. Excellent. Are we are we nearing the end of our 1994-1995 coverage? I don't know what you mean by near. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think we've got a couple more episodes in us before okay. we can say au revoir to 1994-1995. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. I can sit in this time for a bit longer. We've been hanging out here for I don't know how many episodes now. I can hang out here like forever I, I know, kinda, you'll, be honestly. Sad. you'll be sad to move on <laughs> but uh, we've got at least one more after uh, the one that we'll be back, be back with next so minimum of two more focusing on this time period. Excellent. Excellent. Well we hope that you'll join us. We know that we don't come on the radio that you make a choice to listen to us and we so much appreciate it. If you can rate and review that would be super awesome it helps people find the show tell a friend because it's more fun to talk about it and um, we hope that you'll join us on social media facebook the mountains and the sea a prince podcast you can find us on twitter at tmats t-m-a-t-s podcast or you can send me an email tmats podcast at gmail.com so thanks again and we will see you next time thanks for listening Forge audio. Dream it. Build it. Share it.